0: I'm Jeff Eichler.
1: And I'm Kirsten Rickert. And we are the hosts of the Getting Unstuck podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network.
0: Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other
1: interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
0: Hey, everyone. I just want to let you know about a new podcast that I think you will really like by my friend Jeff Eichler. You know him from his other podcast, Getting Unstuck, and the book Shifting, how school leaders can create a culture of change. Jeff's new podcast venture is called Cultivating Resilience, a whole community approach to alleviating trauma in schools. It is a podcast series that showcases thought leaders, school leaders, and mental health providers who are working to lessen the devastating impact of the trauma that students bring with them through the schoolhouse doors. You can get there in the following ways. Go to the link in the show notes. Go to my webpage at stevamiletto.com. Just click on the podcast art for cultivating resilience. Or go to your favorite podcast station like Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, etc. And find the browser search button and type in cultivating resilience. I think you're going to enjoy this. Thanks for listening and have fun learning. The holidays are on their way. And they can be a particularly stressful time of year if you don't have a plan. Well, have I got a solution for you. Join my friend Lynn with ConnectFlow Grow in her launch of Stress Less Holidays. Through this live Zoom webinar, Lynn will teach you how to evaluate your stress and develop a plan to reduce it. This is an abbreviated version of her 21-day Stressless challenge to give you the best tools in the shortest time frame. A less stress holiday is priceless. Your investment of $17 per person or 2,500 flat rate per organization is the first step towards taking control of holiday stress. Learn more about Stress Less Holidays and join by going to my website, stevenmuleto.com slash sponsors. Click on the Connect Flow Grow logo and the link will take you to where you can find out more information and sign up. Time for you to stress less during the holidays. Hey, congratulations goes out to Chris Y. Chris won the Tony Box giveaway. Thanks for entering and uh, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the Tony Box, Chris. Hey, welcome back. Steve here and today I'm talking with Holly Sharp. She has a focus on helping kids discover career options. Holly is the author of the book, Dream It and Do It, 100 Possibilities, Stories, and Real-Life Role Models for Girls and Boys. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And I did, by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmoletto.com reviews and rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college-accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that we'll be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stevamoletto.com, sponsors, Find the NVTA logo and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning!
1: You are listening to
0: Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now, here's Steve
1: with this week's show.
0: Holly Sharp helps kids discover career options and interests so they can grow into happy adults. She helps parents overcome the stress of finding the right hobbies and interests for their kids. She helps teachers approach this topic with greater purpose in the classroom. Her book, Dream It and Do It, presents kids with 100 different careers and modern-day role models. Holly's book received the prestigious Gold Moms Choice Award, 5 out of 5 stars review from Reader's Choice and Midwest Book Review, and first place for Royal Dragonfly Short Stories. Today, we're focused on Holly's book, Dream It and Do It, 100 Possibilities, Stories, and Real-Life Role Models for Girls and Boys. Holly, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone.
1: Hello, it's so nice to be here.
0: Well, glad to have you here. And uh, let's start by talking about Holly. What got you interested in helping kids look at careers and career options?
1: Well, I am um, a brand-new mom. Like, It's not so brand-new anymore, but I have a one-and-a-half-year-old. And one of the things I think that as a new parent, you kind of become obsessed about when you have a new child or when you're pregnant is what that child's going to be when they get older. I mean, when you have a baby. There's endless possibilities, like nothing is off limits when they're that young, right? And so I think one of the things you tend to daydream about in the middle of the night when you're exhausted and wondering why you made this choice in the first place, or when you're you know pushing her through the streets in a stroller and daydreaming, to me, one of the things I love to think about was who this little person was going to become and So when I was started searching for ways to help her figure that out through reading, I discovered that there was actually quite a gap in the marketplace for books to help really teach kids about what modern careers are and what options they have. So I decided to use the time off I had during the pandemic to write a book and decided that, you know, if, if I wasn't going to fill this gap, who was?
0: Very cool. And congratulations, by the way, this is cool. So you get um, young children and it's, it's awesome and uh, get all kinds of cool stuff getting ready to happen down the road. So uh, excellent. And yes, there Thank will you. continue to be those days where you are exhausted, but there'll be those magical days. So,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <I hope> so. <laughs> oh, there are lots of them. So, yeah, you know, that's very cool. And it, just as a note, I mean, I, I remember very well when, uh, you know, it's, it's funny uh, you think about uh, as a, being a kid, how much help you may have had, you know, I, And that's what your book made me think about is, uh, you know, not just with my own children when they were when they were young, but uh, actually made me think about myself. Because, of course, you know, those days I went through my share of wanting to be an astronaut. I grew up in Florida and at the time when the Apollo and the the Apollo program and the shuttle was going on. And that was a neat thought. And, you know, there's all kinds of other things, comic book artists and (laughs) stuff like this. You can tell as I progressed moving forward, and I'm pretty sure that I I drew some pictures of firemen and policemen back in the day when I was a little kid too. So, uh, you know, and you know, it's just, it's funny when you you think about, uh, who helped you make your choice. So what a cool, neat uh, thing to focus on. I mean, do you remember what the original inspiration was for your book, dream it and do it? I mean, was there that one thing that made you go, Ooh, this is what I want to do a book on.
1: Yeah. So I was looking for a book for my daughter's baby shower. My sister decided that instead of having people bring cards that they would bring books instead, and then put a little inscription in the book for my daughter. So it really was when I started registering for books that I was hoping people would choose that I really realized that this book didn't exist that I wanted. And I'm a huge fan, uh, fan of the Rebel Girl series. It's uh, another fiction or a nonfiction book that features girls throughout history that have done things in a rebellious way to make a difference in the world and it's the same type of format as my book which is the one page illustration and one page of text and i have a couple of nieces that are a huge fan of the series and it made me go you know if if i want to help teach kids about real people doing real jobs this format is so perfect for helping to do that, and Rebel Girls has been very successful in their mission. That I was hoping by emulating what they've done so well, that I could bring the same type of format to life, but with a different spin on, you know, focusing on, on really teaching kids what are career opportunities that they have.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And it's it's neat because it's it's kind of fascinating to find out what was that thing that made, you know, because it's to be inspired is one thing. To actually do it is another. <laughs> and I
1: couldn't uh, agree more.
0: <laughs> and you you were inspired, and then you made it happen, and and here you got this wonderful book now, and uh, um, that you're out talking about, which is very cool. So I want to make sure I say kudos for for making that uh, that whole leap there, that which is awesome. So well,
1: thank you.
0: So uh, you know, in your book, you highlight different successful people. Do you have one in the book that is your favorite, or at least someone you knew you had to include that person? I mean, when you came up with the idea, it just went this I got to make sure this person's in there
1: yeah and it's probably the one that freaks parents out the most because (laughs) every parent has this fear of their child becoming a starving artist and there are certainly a number of jobs in my book that would appeal to kids who have a desire to to use the artistic part of their brain but um, Kristen Chenoweth is probably one of my favorite people on the planet and um, I actually got an opportunity to talk with her people before writing this book and they were very generous about um, allowing her to give me some quotes and participate in this because she does a lot of work with kids herself to help encourage them to get on the stage. Um, Kristen Chenoweth is a Broadway star. She was one of the original cast members of Wicked and if I could go back and um, fairy dust my life. That's probably what I would do with it is, is go be in Broadway myself. So I'm, uh, I've always kind of been in love with her. I love the fact that she encourages kids to think about that as a career choice because it is a high risk, high reward thing to do. Um, but I will follow that up by saying that I think one of the things that I hope to share in this book is that starving artists doesn't necessarily have to be your child's fate if they are artistically inclined. So I think that there's, you know, out of the six personality types that I get to in my book, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I think that artistic is the one that scares parents the most. And I think part of why I didn't end up being a Broadway star is for that reason. I ended up being a a business major because I was looking at Uh, art schools and my parents were just a little bit freaked out about sending their kid to art school and instead a teacher and my parents kind of got together and said what about advertising that's still artistic but instead you graduate with a business degree instead of an arts degree so um, I think that there's a lot of opportunities and jobs that I highlight in my book that you can make a great living whether it's being a designer or a voiceover artist or a journalist there's a lot of really great ways to make a very comfortable living using artistic skills and i hope one of the lessons learned in this book is that just because you have an inclination to be artistic doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to starve or that you should go get a business degree instead
0: <laughs> i love i love that by the way that's you know it's it's funny uh, you know, we know you're interested in this, but what about this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we interest you in really avoiding this? <laughs> yes. And I and I like that. That's you know, it's 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 funny. I mean, I as uh, I'm pretty sure this was somewhere around uh, you know in those days they called them junior highs and uh, but my you know my middle school ages where I wanted to be a comic book artist I'd been you know. Spider-Man fan, Batman fan, whatever for a long time, reading all those comics, and I started drawing and doing my drawings, and and started imitating and buying books and stuff like this, and and uh, I thought about being a comic book artist. And one day I said that. <laughs> their response to me was, "They don't make very much money, do they?" <laughs> and like, oh, I don't know. I never thought about that. You know, it's like I just wanted to be. You know, I wanted to draw superheroes, and it was just funny because I don't know if that one comment shot it all down. <laughs> Because I did have a good friend who was extremely good at drawing, and uh, I looked at his stuff and went, "I got a long way to go." <laughs> Get to him, but I, I'll never I think forget that it's comment. The great
1: thing about understanding your personality, because I think it stops you from saying, "I want to be this one thing." That if you went, you know, I really love being artistic, maybe being a comic book, you know, artist wasn't necessarily your fate. But if you had stuck with the arts maybe you would have found that being a graphic designer or being an interior designer or or being in design of some sort would have actually been a wonderful fit for you. Just maybe not that very specific, or who knows, maybe you would have been a wonderful comic book designer. Who knows?
0: Who knows? It, it, It went away early on. And it was at the time when I was making thoughts, having all kinds of thoughts about what is it I want to do? What do I want to think about? So, and that's, what's cool, you know, having been a parent and, trying to figure out when you, when you start bringing up conversations like that, because you know, there's, for some reason, there's a, there's a world out there that thinks that you should start having that conversation with kindergartners. And I'm a little concerned about that, but at the same time, uh, um, you know, when do you have that conversation? I mean, what are your thoughts about that?
1: So if this is probably the most controversial part of what I do and what I talk about Um, I've found that in running Facebook ads for my book that this is probably the main topic that people want to engage in is what age do I start having this conversation? And to your point, kindergarten seems too young. Junior high seems like you've kind of missed it. And my um, experience based on doing some in-classroom career days with kids over the last year is that second grade does seem to be a really great time where kids are mature enough to to understand what you're talking about when you say software developer, when you start describing different types of jobs, but they haven't dug in yet. And what I was kind of surprised when I started entering the classroom was how dug in fifth graders were. Fifth (laughs) graders. I'm not talking about, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth graders who have had, even had the chance to like do a summer job, 5th graders who, like, to your point about being a comic book designer, maybe it's our um, artist, maybe that's not what you ended up being, but by 5th grade, you are determined that that's what you're going to do, and so it usually... Um, I found in conversations with parents take some sort of catalyst event after fifth grade to help you change your mind. So whether that's an important conversation with a role model, one of your friends picking on you about it, being introduced to another job that maybe is a better fit. But um, I think that mid elementary school is a great time to start the exposure. And I'm not I am not at all condoning, and this is a point that I want to be very clear about, that we should we should have our kids decide what they want to be in second grade. I am not condoning that at all. What I am saying and what I I hope the message that comes across clear today is that I think that second grade is the time to start on the exposure part of the journey. So I think that's really the time to help your kids understand what their career personality is and expose them to lots of jobs that would be a great fit for that personality. So maybe they are artistically inclined and in their mind is like, man, I'd love to be a comic book artist, but there's 50 other jobs that kids with that are artistically inclined could be considering. So what I'm uh, campaigning for is helping teachers, parents and our school systems start bringing career education into the classroom in elementary school because by the time you hit junior high and high school either a you're dug in on a choice anyways or b you're already missing opportunities to to, to start developing some of those skills that set you apart when you're filling out college, college applications or when you're going to go try out for that Broadway show or whatever it is that you want to do with your life, junior high and high school are a great time to start the activities that give you the skills you need, where I think elementary school is really the time to start at least having those conversations where I think we're having them today. We're asking the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then we get the answer, and then we say how cute, and we move on with our lives. And I don't think that that process is doing the kids in our school system, any justice when they come to college or high school graduation and have to make what is probably the hardest decision they'll have to make.
0: You know, what's interesting about what you just, and at first I got to say, and kudos, because anyone, when you take a look at uh, your book, the, uh, and I just want to say this to the listeners, you know, there's nothing there that says, you know, by this day and time, you, you're running behind if you have not made this decision with your child. And, you know, and, uh, and you're definitely not advocating that, uh, they're going to stick by this plan for the rest of their lives. You choose it now, <laughs> right? And uh, stick, by, yeah. No, you're, you're introducing them to success, successful people and what they did, and and uh, and by the way, love the formatting of the book. It's nice and colorful. The, the illustrations are amazing, and uh, it, it's cool the way it's broken up. It's easy to read, and and uh, you have these different categories which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a minute. But you know, I, I think that is something that uh, because. All you got to do is um, just wait. Your, your kids aren't old enough yet, but soon you're going to be in those little groups. And you've already mm-hmm. written a book about it where you're going to be – people are going to be asking you, uh, so have you started talking about uh, careers or something like this? And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of other things that you get in these conversations about. And what's funny is when your kid comes to you and says, yeah, I've been thinking about something. And and they're like four, you know, and they say yeah. – and you go, well, what you been thinking about? And then they tell you, and it's – it's pretty cool. You just never know what they're going to come up with. So I love that. And that's that's what tells you that they're paying attention. I mean, I'm pretty sure that my... I wanted to become a soldier one day, and uh, and I did that. That was one of my goals. And I'm pretty sure that got implanted in me after going to multiple air shows and stuff like that when I was a kid. And was watching and seeing and then learning, and, and so that made me read more books. I I think... Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, what's great is what that can start to be translated into things that kids see in the classroom. So... Um I had my niece over this weekend and we were just hanging out in the pool together and asked her, you know, kind of you know, what was your favorite thing about the school year last year? She said, oh, I really like science and she wants to be a pilot when she grows up. First grade this one. And so when I talk about second grade, like already like first grade, she's gotten her head that a pilot's what I'm going to be. And I said, Oh, that's wonderful because you know, the pilots need science and math in order to do their job. They have to understand weather patterns. They have to understand all of the math it takes to make a plane go up and down. And she was very engaged and interested in why science and math is going to be an important part of her education if this is what she really wants. And I think it's wonderful if kids start being inspired by what the future looks like and it helps them understand that this very tactical thing they're learning in the classroom today is actually going to help them achieve their dreams.
0: That's excellent. You know, and it, it is cool. Cause you just, you just don't know what hits home and it could be a, it could be a relative who does something really cool that they always admired or just out of the blue could, you know, you just never yeah. know. you know, it's the same thing with, uh, um, just any number of things that you, your kids might decide that they want to do as hobbies or whatever, which you kind of talk about. And, and, uh, you know, um, sometimes that's a a friend. Sometimes it's the opposite of what the friend
1: does. (laughs) Well, and part of what I'm trying to accomplish is to remove some of that chance. So one of the things I learned very quickly when I was researching the need for this book was that two thirds of adults in America are dissatisfied with their career choice. That is a huge number. Two out of three. If you have three kids, two out of three of them might not actually be happy with their jobs. And I think that our school system and the the choices that we make in terms of how and when to introduce career choices has a lot to do with that. And so what I'm really trying to help parents do is remove that chance. Like it is great that there are role models out there for kids, whether it's your parents or whether it's a a teacher or even a friend's parents that can introduce an idea of what a child should be. But I also think that if kids learn about two or three things that to your point, like, There's so much more than I can possibly introduce my daughter to in a given day that I hope to provide opportunities, the reading for parents to find other ways to communicate options that kids have besides what they might see their parents or friends' parents doing.
0: Very cool. Very cool. It's it's neat to have those. Those early discussions and such, and to be able to see and think, you know, and and what's funny is just as a note, by supplying something that gives them a a tool to look at and flip through and kind of think about it, I would think that it's going to feed some of that curiosity anyway, because a lot of kids are asking questions inside their heads, whether they say it to parents or not. They're asking, you know, that's kind of cool. How'd they do that? And mm-hmm. and that lends itself. I mean, uh, there's just any number of aspects that uh, in by the way, continue to do that as adults. How in the world, they get that job. (laughs) So good stuff. Early in your book, in a letter called Dear Dreamers, you note this. They didn't just dream about doing something. You're referring to the people you've highlighted. Uh, They did something about it. Can you talk about what your point is?
1: Yeah. So what I really wanted for kids to see and, and why I make this point is that I think we have this idea in our head that People who do extraordinary things are extraordinary people. And I love communicating this message to kids because I start each of my story with the person in the book's childhood. And I wanted kids to see that everyone in this book started off as a normal kid that lived on a normal street with normal parents. Some may have had hardships they had to get through. But almost no one in my book was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And so I wanted kids to see that this wasn't just because you were born the, the child of an actor or because you had money in the bank. But it was because ordinary people decided to do something. And then instead of just saying, I want to dot, 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 they took the steps that were necessary to make their dreams come come to life. And one of the things I try to do with each story is articulate how they made that happen, whether it was in the choice that they made, whether it was cultivating a friendship that was meaningful, whether it was a degree they decided to get. But there was always a catalyst in each story that helped that person evolve from an ordinary kid to an extraordinary person.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And it works out nicely. So, you mentioned this earlier, so let's get into this now. I mean, what is a career personality, and how do you assess a child's, and why is it important?
1: So a career personality is basically a way to describe how your interests and your talents intersect. So I myself am a pioneering artist, and what that says about me is that I have both interests in things that are artistic and um, are things I like to make from scratch. I like to lead others. And they're also things that I'm good at. And frankly, adults pay a lot of money to career uh, career placement firms to help assess what those personality types are and help us find jobs that are good fit, uh, a good fit for our own personalities. So what um, I think it's important because there are so many job options out there today. I wrote a book about 100 and I could write 10 more books behind it with a a, you know 900 more so i think it's important to understand career personalities at a young age because i think it helps parents to narrow more quickly on how to help their kids one of the biggest questions i get from parents on social media is what activities they should put their kids into um we have seven days a week and you know i certainly don't want to be spending every single one of them shuffling my kids to various activities so Parents have to be thoughtful about what things their kids become involved in. And often those activities lead to the type of interests that lead to careers or can help cultivate an interest that already exists. And so I think what's great about these career personalities is that there's six of them And that if you can help your child understand what their primary and even better primary and secondary personalities are, it can help parents focus in on, okay, my kid is a pioneer personality. They would be a great fit to get involved with junior achievement. Or I would love to help them understand how to start a business and encourage them to start a lemonade stand or some sort of entrepreneurial venture. So I think it helps parents just as much as it helps kids understand what things they can become involved in.
0: Excellent. So let's go with something here for just a second. So when you say pioneer, can you explain what you mean?
1: Sure. So a pioneer personality is someone who enjoys leading. So this often starts to cultivate in kids with what is deemed bossy. So you (laughs) probably know that child within every friend group or you might even be the the parent to one, but it's that kid that has that natural tendency to want to lead and be in charge. And we sometimes misunderstand this personality for that reason when children are young, because we want them to be polite and we want them to blend in. And often those personality types cultivate over time into wonderful leaders and managers because they aren't they're the ones who aren't afraid to get in front of the crowd or to lead the crowd. Um, when others, it you know, it's a bigger fear than death for some to have to do that type of job. So to be able to identify in a child that personality type and see it as an asset versus as simply being bossy can really help parents to figure out how to turn those personality traits into leadership versus simply just bossiness.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. So choose another one. What's another one that you'd like to just highlight?
1: Sure. So another one is an organizer. So um, an organizer personality type often is a child who has creative tendencies, but really enjoys the structure and rules that go along that that they need in order to to be creative. So they're not likely to be the ones to pick up a blank piece of paper and come up with a story or in a picture, but they are the ones who are likely to love coloring in a coloring book or like to play games that have specific rules. Um, These types of kids grow up to be great organizers, so event planners and uh, money managers or um, accountants, people who their jobs were people who thrive in actually having a set of rules to follow and following them. To someone like me, who's a, a pioneer, that does not sound ideal. I would not want a job where I was given a set of rules I had to follow. But for someone for children who thrive on rule following those types of jobs, they would do very, very well in. And frankly, those types of jobs pay well because a lot of people don't appreciate that type of structure where an organizer personality tends to thrive.
0: That's awesome because, you know, it's, I'm laughing because it's funny. Um, I'm somebody who has to have, you know, when I put together a team, I make sure I have an organizer on my team because I need someone to help me dot the I's and cross the T's. Exactly. Cause I am not on that planet. <laughs> I am not either. <laughs> so very cool. That's, that's awesome. That's, you know, it, and it's neat because, you know, looking at and trying to help kids uh, understand, or even just looking at different people that they may have come in contact with and never thought about them having a job because, it, you know, at some point kids go from saying, you know, if you ask them what they want to be and they say, I want to be Buzz Lightyear. And you go, well, that might be, a <laughs> well, maybe it isn't that difficult. You could go to Disney world and dress up as Buzz, you know, it's like, um, but it's, they go from that to actually thinking about understanding a little bit about work and the and, uh, things that you might do as a career. And I think that's, it's cool as you see this progression and uh, very neat. And so you've kind of given a tool to, to make that work out. One of the things that you have is you have a career evaluation quiz. Can you talk about that?
1: Yes, so this is exactly how parents, um, how I was able to translate the information I learned through all the research done for adults into being applicable for kids. So, um, I have two resources. The first one is a quiz that's on my website where parents can go take this 15 question quiz and use it and they can take it for their kid. They can take with their kid to really use it to understand what their interests and, um, kind of learning style is. And those answers help the quiz to, to feed out to you the, um, Type of personality that your child has. So you know you're, you're basing it on information that you are able to observe today. So obviously as those interests and talents change, so might your personality. But um, the research tends to show that the personality type that you have in elementary school is likely to carry with you throughout your life. So if you find that you know in elementary school you tend to be more artistic and like to create things from str- scratch, you don't tend to be much of a rule follower. Those things tend to carry with you. Versus all of a sudden, you know, five, six, seven, ten years later, you lose that desire to be artistic, and all of a sudden become a rule follower. That what it applies to adults often can apply to young children, and using those observations to help you narrow in on. Um, what types of careers might be a good fit for your for your child to start exposing them to the second resource I have is on uh, also you can find through my website but it's a quiz that can be used in the classroom so in sometimes it's difficult obviously to use a quiz that's online within a classroom setting so I've also created resources that teachers can print off and actively use the, the quiz within their own class um, last year I participated in a number of career days where we brought the, the quiz into the classroom and kids would take it collectively at a class. It was really neat to see at the end of the the quiz kids exchanging notes. I'm like, Oh, what are you? What are you? I am this. And, and start, you know, even using that as a way for kids to have a language to talk to each other about what they're interested in.
0: You know, one of the things is it's, it's neat being able to, to access this type of stuff because like,
1: I mean, I, I
0: was a kid who I had lots of ideas about what I wanted to do. I mean, I really did. I talked about them and I had different thoughts and I remember having friends who had no clue. All right, And, yeah. and actually, even as far in as, you know, high school coming up on their junior year, they still had no clue. And, and I pretty much knew exactly what I wanted to do. And even though it would take some twists and turns along the way <laughs> and change a little bit here and there, it, it still is kind of sort of what I set out to do. And, you know, it's just, it's just interesting what you're talking about is starting this a little sooner. So maybe, maybe get an idea that there are, there are people who do that thing, you know, it's, Whatever that thing is that might amaze you as a, as a child or the thing is that you're looking at or thinking about or having a tendency toward kind of cool. I mean, I got to tell you, I, you know, this is going to sound funny. You're talking about Broadway. I mean, now I've never seen Wicked, but I've uh, I went and saw. Um, and I, as a note, when I was a high school teacher, I I actually I said. Uh, the principal came to me and said, you know, we don't have theater here. I really could use a theater group. Steve, do you know that I could really, I would really like to have a theater troupe here? I <laughs> went. Uh, let me ask. Let me guess. You're asking me if I'll do a theater troupe? He says, yes. Is that as yes? And I said, Sure. Why not? There hasn't been one here in a long time, so I think I can uh, figure that out. And my point is, is that I had a, the same experience that I had as a teacher. If I'd had it before as a kid. Yeah, you know, who knows? I probably would have. Cause that was fun. I mean, having kids recreate, you know, create different sorts of scenarios and doing plays and having all the, you know, the good excitement there. And then I saw Cats, and you know, Cats at, in New York at the Winter Garden Theater was people today. If they saw that one that Hollywood tried to make, that's not it. <laughs> they needed to see it live, and especially in the Winter Garden Theater because they'd been doing it there for so long. They had all these cool special effects, and the cats came up through openings in the floor and stuff like this out in the audience. And so not only, you know, in different places, it's like, wow, check this out. You know, I may have never been able to be a cat, but it would have been cool just to do special effects for that play. So well,
1: that's, that's the thing that I realized when doing this book. And frankly, even before this book, um, the job that I had prior to becoming a children's book author was to invent ice cream. And once when I got that job, I realized like the thing about cool jobs is someone has to get them. And if we're all discouraged by by the fact that like oh cool jobs are too hard to get, well then that just clears the way for the rest of us to take them. Um, you know, I've I've been a radio DJ in my life. I've been an ice cream developer. I've been a children's book uh, author. That really, the cool jobs are out there for the getting as long as you have the the ability to take action and a support system to get you there so you know even if if my kids came to me and said i want to be buzz lightyear and granted i might be a little bit you know too ingrained in this topic but i would say all right that's great like that you let's start talking about space let's go to museums let's do science experiments at our house i am happy for you to become an astronaut frankly like more and more of our world is looking that way are, you know, looking to space for our future. I'll help you get there. It's not that crazy for you to be Buzz Lightyear. Someone's got to be, why not? Why not you?
0: I love that. I love that a lot, especially because in, in this world today, one of the cool things about it is that you actually could end up being like Buzz Lightyear's brother in a new cartoon that comes out or something like this, because you're the voice of him. Yeah, there's any, exactly. There's any one of our ways that that could end up uh, materializing, which is awesome. So good stuff. You know, it's, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, just as a note, uh, before we started recording, you asked me why I did a podcast. Well, one of the things I didn't admit then, but I'm going to go ahead and admit now is because it, it, I started thinking about it. Well, when I was a kid, I wanted, I thought about being on radio and I carried around in those days, you know, you, it was by a little cheap recorder and go around mm-hmm. and I'd record the radio and then I practice talking over it and stuff like that. And you know, over the years that, that, was not the thing. And, it, you know, and in those days, I was a huge fan of different comedians. And one of my favorites was was a comedian named Jonathan Winters. And Jonathan Winters had just amazing a number of personalities. <laughs> it just, he was always doing different voices, you know, and it's just never knew what he's going to, oh, yeah, you tell me about that. I don't know, you know. You know, it's just any number of voices that might come out. And so I was practicing these voices and stuff like this. Well, you know, Now I've gotten myself, may not, it's not paying me, but I think uh, I I now can, if I would decide I want to do voices, I can do them.
1: (laughs) It really, that's, that is what I absolutely love about my desire to teach my daughter about these personalities and help her find her way to her career through them, because I don't think that it's. Saying you have to be this one thing that if you like you very, very clearly have an artistic personality, there's there's almost no doubt in my mind um, based on every just a short time of of getting to know you and how many different when the doors would be open to you. If you knew at a young age, this is a, a part of myself that I really um, enjoy being in touch with. And it doesn't necessarily mean you had to do any one of the, the number of things you've mentioned, but knowing that, um, you know, what would that have made you think of when you were younger, if you would have been told when you were in late elementary school, Hey, like you have an artistic personality. Why don't we start cultivating some of those traits and talking about what that might mean for your future? I think that's, I love talking to adults about it because we all have such a, a history of like, what we wanted to be when we were kids, what ended up happening, where where things either went right or where they shifted. Um, but I do love that personalities give you the op- opportunity to explore more than they actually give you the opportunity. Then they shut things down.
0: Very cool. It's very cool because just exploring those thoughts and and being able to show a, a a kid just where people have gone right after that followed it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so neat. The uh, you, you know. One of the things I've heard you say is that we should stop asking our kids what they want to be when they grow up. Why do you think that?
1: I So I do genuinely believe we should stop using this question with young kids because it it starts to force them to narrow their choices at a very young age before they've actually had the chance to explore what those options are. And so it's, it's cute to ask, and I frankly – have used this phrase a million times myself and only when I became knee deep in the topic of helping kids learn about careers, did I really realize what damage it was doing. And so what I would encourage parents to ask is what kind of life do you want? Who do you want to be? And let kids answer through the lens of how they see the future versus narrowing in on a single choice. And what makes this kind of dangerous is that as kids begin to commit to that choice that I talked earlier about starting in that like fifth, sixth grade of, of kids starting to dig in on like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be a musician. And that's what I'm going to be. If you choose something that your parents think is cool or cute and you change your mind later, kids can feel as though they're disappointing their parents. So, you know, it may seem like we're, you know, doing everything to support them, but by, asking that question, we seem to be indicating to our kids, hey, we want you to make this choice. And when they express their choice, and we reinforce it with positive reinforcement, it makes them feel as though, okay, I guess this is my choice. And if I change my mind, I'm going to disappoint someone. So I really do think that the tandem or the, the combination of the fact that we ask this question, every adult has said it, and every kid has answered it. Yet, in our school system, we do very, very little to actually support or educate our kids to make this choice. And so, to me, the danger isn't in the question. The danger is the fact that we ask it, but then do very, very little to actually help support our kids to answer it.
0: You know, it's an interesting thought because, uh, because yeah, you usually there's, you know, whatever thoughts you're getting are coming from other places, not normally from school, unless there's projects or they've brought in somebody. I mean, I, right? I mean, I'm. Junior high, I think this was probably ninth grade, where I went to school. You know, junior high was seven, eighth and ninth, and then tenth grade started high school. And uh, they brought in this NASA scientist. I'm guessing he really was a NASA scientist, but it was cool. He had a robot, and the robot spoke, and he did all kinds of other cool experiments and things like this that made you go, "Ooh, cool!" And you know, mix this with that, and uh, they do different things. And but I'll never forget him introducing this robot that. Uh, um, you had to tell it how to pronounce vowels and things like that. And so he he demonstrated it. And that was really cool because I was, some of my friends were people who went on to become computer engineers. And uh, it was kind of cool that day because we were all sitting there listening to this robot who, you know, they brought a kid up and asked him to, what's your name? And he says his name and i say it, uh, it's like Mike. And, uh and of course you have to tell it how to say the vowels. And so he'd say it. He'd spell it for him and the computer would pronounce it one way and then he'd do something and it would pronounce another way. And yes, before someone says something, there were no hidden microphones. This was not a, <laughs> is, the, is the computer really doing it or is it a guy behind the curtain? But, <laughs> but, you know, it's never know when those things also make you take a, a detour or go someplace else. And, and other kids who don't have those influences. I, I don't know. There's just different ways you can influence those thoughts. And especially in a, having been a school administrator, bringing in people to speak, present or whatever.
1: So. Yeah. And, and whether it is through the materials that I've created or these personalities, the number one thing I will continue to advocate for is that it simply gets introduced in a meaningful way into our education system. So my hope is that I can give teachers resources that are available to them today so they don't have to wait for the overall system to catch up. But I do hope that in in the long run, that even if I've only played a small role, that I can make a difference that. When my daughter gets older, there will be a program waiting for her to help her make this choice instead of asking the question and then hoping that she's smart enough at nine years old to figure it out.
0: Just as a side note, it's funny when, um, I don't know if you ever had to when you got into high school, but, um, like, uh, when I was in high school, there's a test and it still exists as a high school principal. I made sure, you know, we worked with the military to give it, it's called the ASVAB and it's a career, um, it kind of gives you ideas about career thoughts and stuff like this if you hadn't thought about it because you take this battery of exams and then it gives you some ideas. And I don't know what it was, but something told the Navy that I should be in nuclear subs. I just had to make that comment. That's what I like. Nuclear subs, man. I You know, anyway, and just as a, it's just funny how uh, you just never know what uh, is going to influence you. I didn't go into nuclear subs. I became Army land. It's like. No, um, but
1: which isn't a huge. I mean, that still is in the, the neighborhood of the, you know, of similar personality, just to use my own language that might do one job versus the other. And I, I do agree with you that it can happen anywhere at any time where a kid finds inspiration. I never thought in a million years that I'd be a a, child, a children's book author, but the right set of circumstances and inspiration. And here we are,
0: which is so cool. You used a something that on one hand is bad, but you used it to help make something really cool happen. So nice. so Good stuff. uh, What advice would you give parents to help them expose their kids to a wide range of career options? I mean, what's there that one or two things that you'd make sure you tell them?
1: Yes. So um, I think that the hardest things for parents is that they try to boil the ocean. (laughs) And if you really think about all of the different jobs that are, are possible, I think parents see it as such an overwhelming task that either they have one or two things in mind and they really push their kids hard to go be a doctor or a lawyer. In my case, I'm really, really praying that my kid ends up as a Broadway star myself. Um, But so because the, the options are so overwhelming, they tend to either offer one or two options and really push them hard in that direction or kind of shut down on the topic altogether and don't really spend much time engaging, wait for their kid to come up with the answer on their own and then support them in that way. And what I would say to parents is, I personally believe in this personality tool and using that as a way to help narrow kids options but even if even if the the personality you know thing isn't for you I would say do your best to just little by little expose them to different role models whether it's through documentaries or Um, There's a lot of actually really great reality television that's out there. Uh, I write about Dr. Pole, who's a veterinarian in my book, and he has a really great show on Disney that gives kids the reality of what it's actually like to be a veterinarian. And um, so I would say, just try, I, in my opinion, using this personality test is a great way to turn the ocean into a pond and start helping your kid be exposed to maybe things that are closer into their wheelhouse. But, um, you know, don't give up and you know, try to, to help your kids see more than a couple of things that are in front of their face.
0: So cool, awesome advice. Just I had a smile at the the veterinarian. I had that idea for a while, and then my dad got me a non pain summer job with, I was like 12, um, somewhere in that range, and uh, with a veterinarian. And what was really cool was he was one who did farm animals as well as domestic house animals, and I got to see a colt born. Um, But I also got to see animals not make it through the summer. And I went, ooh, this is a little sadder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I can't make it through Bambi or Dumbo. So, you know, it's like uh, um, that changed my mind. Sorry, I had to. That was one of those where I'm like, yeah, I ought to take care of animals. No, I
1: don't. (laughs) It's what I love about using real people to help teach kids about careers, not just simply picture books or. cartoons because I think real people help give the reality of the job. Um, Veterinarians and ballerinas are two of the most misunderstood jobs for kids, I think, because um, I think kids have this idea that vets are sitting in their offices playing with puppies and kittens all day. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) the reality of what it actually takes to be a vet is incredibly different. And I think Dr. Pohl does a really good job of showing that reality. Um, I also put a ballerina in my book because I do feel like it's something that that young girls tend to uh, be drawn towards. And of all 100 people in my book, I don't think there's anyone that works harder than the woman who succeeded as the first African-American ballerina. And I think it's important for kids to see that these jobs, that it is really, really hard work um, to succeed at something like that. So while it may be something that lots of lots and lots of kids dream about, it's probably one of the hardest careers I've ever encountered in all of the research I've done.
0: Yeah, I cannot imagine. I mean, being a professional dancer, especially a, a, a classical ballerina um, or the male version would be, I just cannot imagine the amount of time, effort that it takes just to become competitive.
1: Yes. And then, by the way, by the time you're 25, have a good plan B because you're already too old. Exactly.
0: Nice. Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that definitely was not in my career path thinking. But, uh, (laughs) you know, if you had a chance to talk with an audience of parents and children about choosing or seeking a future path, I mean, think about it. We're getting ready to start a new school year, a really new school year, hopefully that (laughs) we can shove this past one just out the window. If you had a chance to talk with this audience of parents and children about choosing or seeking a future path, what is one thing that you would want them to remember when you talk with them?
1: So I know I have a bit of a broken record, but I'm going to say it again, given the opportunity. I hope if there are Um, people listening to this podcast that have the ability to influence what happens in a school system or in our classrooms. I just beg of you to really consider how important this decision is to our kids and ask yourself what's being done in my classroom today to help my children think about what they want to be when they grow up. So we teach them all of these great life skills and all of these great life skills are truly meant to help them after they graduate, become thriving adults? If our whole objective in educating our children is to raise thriving adults, why on earth are we not teaching them what all of their possibilities are in order to apply the skills that we're, we're providing them with? So we give them all of these great tools, but then we send them out into the world not really sure what to do with their toolbox. So if you are listening and you have access to a classroom, please ask yourself this question and really think about what you can do to help kids make a more informed decision about their future.
0: Excellent. I love it. And, you know, uh, Holly, before we close, because we're getting close to the end now, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them?
1: Dreamitanddoitkids.com is my website. And whether you're a teacher or a parent, um, you can go there and there are various resources for either person.
0: Excellent. I will make sure all that is in the show notes so they'll be able to find your links and uh, to the to your uh, web page as well as uh, social media and all that good stuff and uh, be able to go out there and check out the book and uh, get themselves a copy. Uh, I got a couple questions I want to ask you, Holly, before you go. And these are things I like to ask my my guests. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit?
1: Mostly, I rarely look at the end of something. Um, the, The wonderful thing about dreams is that they rarely have a deadline. Um, no one said to me when I decided to write this book at the beginning of the pandemic, Hey, if you don't write it by Christmas, this book will never get written. Um, and so instead of looking at it, like I want to write a book, I want to illustrate a book. I want to publish a book. I want to market a book. I want to change the world and how kids find careers. I just said to myself, I want to see what it feels like to read a document or watch a documentary or read an autobiography and then write a story about it. And I did one. I said, Oh, that was fun. And so the next week I Tried another one, and then until all of a sudden, I'd done it a hundred times, and then realized, wow, I have a hundred stories under my belt. And then I like, I never really thought about the daunting task that I had ahead, and I just kind of took each week by saying, this week I'm going to accomplish this. And so I think this it's true in a lot of a lot of ways for a lot of things that you know if you look at your dream only as the end goal, sometimes it can be really hard to get there. Instead, look at like, what would be a really fun thing to take on this week and just take on that one thing? And if it turns out it takes you 10 years to accomplish it, probably you'll still have done more than most people do to chase the dream that's in their head. So better to do a dream in 10 years than no dreams in 100.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I love it. Last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you?
1: I would love more than anything if she was listening to this and could hear this, but I did have the art teacher that I referenced earlier in our conversation, her name was Mrs. Van and she was the art teacher at Wyoming Park High School in Michigan and she saw that I loved the arts and um, I would, took four years of it and I never really got that great. Um, but I it was my favorite class of any given day. And I was really, really seriously considering art school because I loved it so much. And she took me aside, offered up a, a good friend of hers and let me shadow him for three days. He worked in an advertising agency and was able to show me how he used art and creativity every day in his life. But that He didn't have to be the one drawing or sketching or painting but he still got to be very creative in in his career and frankly i think he um relieved my parents of the stress of figuring out how to send a kid to art school and got to send me to business school instead um but i absolutely appreciate the one-on-one attention that my teacher took to help really set me up for what ended up being the the path that my life took and um again it's the case I continue to make that I think our teachers pay and administration play such a huge role in the, the future of, of career decisions that kids make. This happened to be the one that had the biggest impact on mine. But if you are listening and you are a teacher, know that you have this power and I hope that you are doing everything you can to use it for good.
0: Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, Holly, thanks so much for talking with us today. I love your ideas and thoughts about careers and uh, career interests. What an awesome focus. Keep up all the good work. Wishing you the best at all you do. And, uh, you know, everyone, you got to go out there and find Dream It and Do It and because uh, it's got all kinds of wonderful ideas about uh, working with, with kids. So, Holly, awesome book. Great talking with you. Best you wishes. You Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators